Welcome back to the Renaissance episode 20, Papa Bear. Mm-hmm. Hello, how are you? I'm all right. Um, Good. You know, Ray, in the last episode, last few episodes, we've been talking about the Christians and, you know, how they don't like the naughty words and they don't like the histories and they burn the books and all that kind of stuff. And the thinking. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what a, in, in the next couple of episodes, as we, as we move forwards to wrap up the pre-Renaissance part of the Renaissance series, the <laughs> decline of the Western Empire mm-hmm. uh, part of it, I want to I talk about some of the other things that were going on that also contributed, because it's not just Christianity. I think Christianity played a huge role, yeah. but it's not the only thing that was going on. As with most things, right. Ray, there are multiple causes. Um, we don't want to oversimplify it, as it, it, it can be done and say, well, it's all the Christians. It's not all the Christians, and it's not not the Christians. The Christians are a big part of it. Christianity, the mindset of Christianity is a big part of it, but there are other things as well. Now, in previous episodes, going way, way, way back, we talked about Theodosius, just to remind people, he was the Christian emperor in the late 4th century, who um, was the first guy that made Christianity the sole religion of the empire. It became the not just the imperial religion, but the state religion, and it was a particular version of Christianity. It was the, the, the Catholic version. And uh, he was the guy that got bitch slapped by uh, Ambrose. Ambrose said, uh, "Motherfucker, you are not allowed back into church until you go and you know uh, wipe out mm-hmm. all of the bad, the bad religions and the bad Christians, and stop apologising for us burning down the synagogues of the Jews." And yeah. got him whipped into shape. And Theodosius died. Uh, he left the empire in the hands of his two children, uh, Cadius and Honorius, uh, and divided the empire between them. So uh, one ruled the west, one ruled the east. Mm-hmm. Honorius, who ruled the western part of the empire, ended up basing it in Ravenna because the Goths were looking a little bit scary. <laughs> And they were like, you know what, uh, we're going to get out of this Rome for a while. We're going to go to Ravenna where there's uh, marshes. Yeah. Love some marsh. Marsha. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. And in 423, Honorius died. Mm-hmm. Of natural causes, he reached the ripe old age of 38. <laughs> he had been the emperor... For 30 of those 38 years. Wow. Pressure. Pressure of the job. Living hard. Yeah. It's like, it's like Michael Jackson. You know, when you're a child superstar, mm-hmm. there's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And by the time he died, uh, you know, he had a new nose and new cheekbones and right. a new cleft in his chin and all the usual things. Yeah. Who doesn't? And over the next 50 years, the Western part of the empire had 11 Emperors. Ooh, that's not good. Some some lasted for years, some just a matter of months. Um, the last emperor of the West is usually considered to be Flavius Romulus Augustus, 
also known as Romulus Augustulus, mm-hmm. which means little Augustus. Oh, that's not good. He was a... No, it's not good. He was a kid. Uh, he was the son of Orestes, who was a Roman aristocrat who had once served as secretary in the court of Attila the Hun oh. before he ended up working for one of the last Roman emperors, the one who a lot of people considered to be the actual last Roman emperor, Julius right. Nepos, uh, in 475. But before we get into the story of Orestes and Romulus, Augustus and Julius Nepos, I think we need to talk about Attila the motherfucking Hun for a little bit. Just a quick question. Do you, do you get the sense that Orestes learned a lot being the secretary or assistant or whatever of, of such a great guy? Who, who was the guy that was the secretary of uh, Alexander the Great who went on to cause the successors so much trouble? Remember we were saying Humanes. Humanes, he must the big have, U. He must have he must have actually read some of what he wrote, you know, taking all this stuff down. So yeah, d- don't mock people who are the assistants to the big bosses cuz you know they're absorbing that, they're taking that in and and I think that's going to be uh proven here as well. Yeah. yeah. You know, the great thing about Orestes too is um uh, later on he made a TV show about his life. <laughs> I mean, he did. Uh, how he went right. from being a, a you know a, a minor member of the Roman aristocracy to um, becoming not just a secretary in the court of Attila the Hun, but deposing one of the Roman emperors and putting his son into the job as the last Roman emperor. Damn. Um, it was about just his his life, the development of his mm-hmm. career. He called it Orestes' development. <laughs> Now the story of a wealthy family who lost everything and the one son who had no choice but to keep them all together. Romulus Augustulus. It's Arrested Development. Arrestees Development. He always pronounces that yeah. wrong. It was Arrestees Him? Development. Him? Her? I was doing uh, doing a riff off Arrested Development. Every time something would happen, they'd go, okay. her? But I'm going to edit all that out because it, it sank. <laughs> <laughs> so Attila the Hun. And now Attila ruled the Huns for nearly 20 years, mm-hmm. from 434 to 453. He's one of those guys, people always say to us, when are you going to do Attila the Hun? <laughs> people always want us to do Genghis Khan and Attila the Hun. Right. Well, here, here's your chance. So listen up. Yeah. Yeah, for the next five minutes, we're going to do our series on Attila the Hun. I always say to people, there's nothing on these guys. You can't do a real series like we do a series on these guys because there's really nothing. There's not a lot of stuff written down about. We don't know a lot about them. Well, the only complete sources we have were written by his enemies in Greek and Latin. Uh, His contemporaries left sources, but only fragments of even that survived. We're not even sure, at least from what I read, we're not even sure of the Hun's language. So... Because I, I had mentioned to Cam a couple of years ago about doing a tele, because I'm a big fan. But you're right. There's just not a lot of material. It certainly wouldn't take, um, like you said, more than five minutes to cover this guy. He did a lot. Don't get me wrong. There's just so much that we unfortunately do not know, probably because of the Christians. You're a big fan of Attila the Hun. <laughs> he was That's... an effective territory gatherer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I'm a big fan of Hitler. He did. He did a lot. He, you know, he got a lot of territory. 
Oh, let's just put it this way. No, his enemy normally didn't come at him a second time. I'll just leave it like that. The scourge of God, he was called by the ancient writers. It's not a bad nickname. (laughs) If you're going for a nickname, that's a good one. Um, So the Huns came from Scythia. Think uh, modern Kazakhstan, South Russia, North Iran, that kind of area. Mm -hmm. Uh, Unlike the Goths, who were Aryan Christians, the the Huns practiced a form of shamanism, historians think, a a version of it called Tengarism. It it was the prevailing religion of the Turks, the Mongols, the Hungarians, the Xiongyu, and the Huns. Right. Shamanism is this belief system that kind of believes that all things have spirits, animals, plants, rocks, rivers. You can communicate with those spirits. Um, Very early sort of form of, of human religious thinking probably goes way, way back way back before the Greeks sort of evolved it into anthropomorphic gods. Um, The Huns believed supposedly that bears symbolized peace while wolverines symbolized war. Sure. And shamanism, by the way, and tengerism, in fact, is still practiced today in places like Kyrgyzstan and Kazakhstan. Um, and they're trying to make it more popular. There's politicians in those areas I read that are trying to bring it back, make it like the national religion, Mm -hmm. um, shamanism of these countries. And they've actually, in terms of their, their promotion of shamanism, they, they hired a Barry and Stan (laughs) to come up with ways to get it make it make it more popular and cool. Barry and Stan said well yeah, yeah what you need to do is you need a theme song right every every religion needs a theme song that's true um so uh this is the one that they came up with and I I, I tell you it's kind of catchy I like it mana mana Shamana mana. Shaman shamana. Mana mana. Mana mana. Mana mana. That made me want to hug a bear. No, I, I, I started to mock when you said they're trying to make it, you know, a more popular, wider religion. I started to mock it, and then I remembered Christianity, so I just shut my mouth. <laughs> Getting back to Manamana, do you know where that song comes from? I have no idea. A lot of people think it, 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 it was invented by the Muppets, but it goes way back. Um it was composed by an Italian guy called Piero Umiliani. <laughs> and Umiliani mm-hmm. and originally appeared in an Italian film called Sweden Heaven and Hell, directed by Luigi Scatini. <laughs> God, you're gonna do that in Italy? All the time, constantly. <laughs> I'm a- 
I'm gonna talk like that. <laughs> oh, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, okay. All right. Um, do the hand gestures. You got to do the hand gestures or they won't take you seriously. Hey, I'm doing about right now. <laughs> the um, people who are coming on the trip are rapidly canceling tickets as we go. <laughs> uh, this film, Sweden, Heaven and Hell, was an exploitation documentary film about wild sexual activity I'm in. in Sweden. Yeah? Yeah. White love. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Swedens. The Swiss. The Swiss? Swedish. <laughs> oh, wrong people. Swedish. 1968 this film came out. And uh, so they go, there's like, it's it's showing lesbian nightclubs and swingers and right. teenagers getting sex education. And that was the song that they so, played in the soundtrack. So, so imagine like a group orgy. Right. Mana, mana. You know, and. People jerking off on each other and lesbians going, bisexual women going at it. Uh, you know, bukkake shots with Manamana playing over the top of it. It's like, oh. it's just awesome. I when, can't, I have to see this film. I've got to track it down. When we're, in, when we're in Europe, I'm going to use that as my ringtone and just, you know, get turned on every time mm-hmm. someone calls me. So it's going to be a lot of fun in Europe. <laughs> Okay, so where were we? Yes, shamanism. Uh, Attila the Hun. Yeah. Um, now, Attila uh, ended up being the leader of a con, what do you call it? A, a, a bunch of tribes. What do you call it? A con, con, congregation? Con, con, confabulation? Con, con, conclave? No, con, congregation? A con, uh, just a bunch of tribes. We'll just say a bunch. <laughs> a bunch of. A, a bunch, bunch of tribes. So. Uh, not just the Huns, but the Ostrogoths and the Alans mm-hmm. he pulled together and, and was obviously one of the most feared enemies of the Western and Eastern Roman Empire. He crossed the Danube twice, plundered the Balkans, or Illyricum, as they probably still called it back then, was unable to take Constantinople, though one of many people who were unable to take Constantinople. Right. But he, he defeated the Roman army a number of times which left him virtually unchallenged in the eastern part of the empire. He raided as far south as Thermopylae. By the way, I've been it's been bugging me. Like we're going to Athens. We should have we should be going to Thermopylae, man. Right. How many days you, you are we and, in Athens? Can we do a quick day trip or Nah, it's, it's not probably not gonna happen. So. We're there for like three, four days, but I don't know. Yeah, but, but we, it'd be so cool to go to Thermopylae and just have you and me defend the gates of hell. <laughs> I was going to say, From. you and me rent a moped each, obviously, and we'll just fucking drive there. It'd just be badass. We'll just straight shot. John Simmons, uh, our truckie mate, who yeah. I think he's now retired truckie from Sydney, um, sent me a video the other day of a trireme that some motherfuckers in Greece have you know, re- rebuilt. Oh, my God. They've built a, a full scale on the water. Trireme. We're going to take it. And I told him that you, I told him you and I were going to take one out for a spin <laughs> while we were there. Yeah, you're going to be on the oars. <laughs> well, yeah. I'll be on the drums. Yeah, that's yeah. the deal. Uh, yeah. Huh. Okay. Oh, yeah. and, and just to let everybody know, because and again, I know we're only going to do five minutes on this guy, but as some of you probably already know, the uh, the main military techniques of the Huns were the mounted archery, where you know where you can turn to your side or your backwards and shoot at somebody as you're going along and javelin throwing. And these guys are so fierce, like you were saying a, a second ago, they're even able to make the Germans piss themselves. So the Germans are fleeing Germania, 
trying to get away from these guys. They're being pushed into Gaul. They're being pushed into other parts of the Western Empire. And again, even the Germans can't handle them. So, so these guys are fierce. They very rarely leave anybody behind. You know, psychological warf- warfare at its worst or best, however you want to look at it. But this guy is a killing machine. And uh, yeah, he's causing a lot of trouble for everybody that he's coming in contact with. And uh, so he defeats the Romans. The, the first war comes to an end in 449 with an agreement where the Romans agreed to pay Attila 6,000 Roman pounds of gold and an annual tribute of 2,100 pounds of gold, which was uh, a lot of money back then. Yeah. Um, and and they, they, they stay okay for about a year. And then Honoria who is the sister of the Western Roman Emperor at the time, Valentinian III, sent Attila her engagement ring and <laughs> begged him to help her escape from having to marry a Roman senator. Well, we should look at this for a second, because when you don't want to marry someone that you're being forced to marry, are you willing to sacrifice your entire country? You're literally calling someone who's a known killer, and a and, and nation killer to, to come and rescue you. Now I read two different things. I read one, the engagement ring was, I will marry you. And the other one that it, it was nothing more than a down payment because that's all she had a down payment for future money owed. If he would come and save her. Uh, what, what is your take on the engagement ring? N- not that it matters the in the fuck, bigger story. Yeah. Who the fuck knows what really happened, right? How but- did he, ta- how did he interpret it? Well, he's like, oh, she's she my wife now. <laughs> um, but I, for a start, so the story of Honoria apparently is she was a bit like Augustus's daughter Julia. <laughs> uh oh. She uh, was running around fucking everything that moved in oh, Ravenna. Love girls like that. Um, getting knocked up at an early age. Um, she loved to fuck, basically, <laughs> Honoria. I'm just a um, fuck machine. Uh huh. Bit of an embarrassment to uh, her brother, the yeah. emperor, who basically him and, he, and his mother, I think, decided to um, just marry her off to some Roman senator as a form of you yeah. know, forced settling down. Um, and then she then she writes to Attila. Now imagine being the Roman senator when the, <laughs> when word spreads, this woman wanted to not marry you so bad. <laughs> That she's asking Attila the Hun to come and marry her instead. Bring your army. And, and what, wow. He's, he's going to ask. He's like, okay, not only will I marry you, but I want half of the Western Empire as your dowry. So, again, yeah, but yeah, so what? what is she possibly thinking? And... and I mean, because we don't know what his designs were specifically, but now he's involved. He's got a marriage proposal. He's got an engagement ring. And he, like you said, says, yes, I will marry you. Thank you very much. And now I'm coming to take what is mine. Mm. Thanks a um, lot. So he, so he went to uh, Gaul. Um, and he said, look, I know we haven't actually got married yet, but I'll just take... <laughs> I'll just go the dowry in advance. I'll pick that up on the way. If that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, on yeah. The way. <laughs> so he went to Gala Belgica, um, Belgium slash Gaul, and uh, with an army of that ancient sources said was half a million strong. Probably not. May or may not be that big, <laughs> yeah, but let's go with that because it sounds good. Um, 
eventually defeated um, an alliance of the Goths in Gaul and the Romans, uh, returned a couple of years later, attacked Italy. And now, interestingly, uh, I learned in this that Venice mm-hmm. was invented as a result of Attila's attacks. Mm. Tell, me, so, tell me more. I will, right? Thank you for asking. Mm-hmm. Um People living in Aquilia, the the nobility, the elite there, uh, were so terrified when they heard Attila was coming that they ran away and they moved to the Venetian lagoons, which was just a couple of, like, small fishing villages. (laughs) They moved all their shit there and they were like, okay, we're going to build, rebuild our city on these lagoons to uh, get away from Attila. Wow. So next time you're in Venice, uh, say thanks, Attila. Thanks, Attila, <laughs> for Venice. It's falling and sinking in the water. They didn't think that through very no. well. Very well. well. In, in 450 when they moved there, but uh, there you go. Um, now, Italy also, around about this time, was suffering from terrible famines, 451, 452, uh, and Attila ravaging the countryside didn't really help. But then uh, he suddenly died under mysterious circumstances. Mm. Was there an archer in the window of the book depository? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I, I had read that, yeah, in 452 he invades Italy. Uh, a disease breaks out amongst his army. There's low supplies. And like you said, there's a famine going on, so it's not like he can just raid the uh, the territory around him. There's nothing to steal. These people are suffering well. As well, he leaves. He's going to come back later on. He's going to reinforce. But then, as you said, God called him home. But even his death is mysterious. God, because he's, uh, he's a member of a shamanistic okay. religion. So the universe? Yeah. Well, maybe the the Wolverine the tree, God. The tree Wolverine bear Wolverine. Spirit. Okay, sure. Yeah. Sure. All right. And again, I can't mock it because, um, you know, Christianity. <laughs> Yeah. So Attila suddenly died uh, while celebrating his latest marriage. He hadn't actually married Honoria yet. He said, I'm going to get there. I'm working But in the meantime, there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to marry this other chick. <laughs> Who's really young. Sm- and smoking hot, smoking apparently, hot. called <laughs> Ildico. According to Priscus, the 5th century Roman diplomat and historian, he had given himself up to excessive joy at his wedding. Aww. Now, stop there for a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, excessive joy right. uh, at your wedding. What do you translate that as, Ray? What is that a euphemism for, do you think? Um, she's 15? I don't know. Um, I, to me, excessive joy at a wedding means he fucked himself dry. Um, at the wedding, maybe just with the new bride, maybe with everyone who was maybe there. I don't know how these yeah bridesmaids. I don't know how the Huns roll. The handmaids. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Back to Priscus. He had given himself up to excessive joy at his wedding, and as he lay on his back, heavy with wine and sleep oh, shit. and a lot of fucking, <laughs> a rush of superfluous blood, which would ordinarily have flowed from his nose, right streamed in deadly course down his throat and killed him since it was hindered in the usual passages. Thus did drunkenness 
put a disgraceful end to a king renowned in war. He drowned on his own blood in his own blood. Yeah, he bon scotted. Uh, <laughs> maybe wasn't vomit. It was blood. But I don't know. This story. <sighs> yeah, a rush of superfluous blood. Now, I'm not a doctor, Ray. No, uh, anymore. No longer a doctor. <laughs> But uh, with my <laughs> medical training in my years my as, a, as, a, right? as a surgeon, yeah. I was never made familiar with this concept of superfluous blood. Now, I go and give blood every oh, 90 days at the blood bank. Have done for 27 years, I think. I oh, was God. there last week and I There's pulled a lot up my record. blood out there. A lot wow. of cam blood, man. You have no idea how much cam blood is out there. A lot of people out there with cam blood in them. Scary. Uh, There's a scary movie right among there. Other, among other bodily fluids <laughs> out there. But anyway, uh, a lot of and and uh, and you know, so they take blood, and then I my body makes more. But they, right. they've, I've never understood it to be superfluous no. blood. It's not like you know what. Wow, you, uh, you don't go to the doctor and go, I've got a bit of a pain. He goes, well, well here's the problem right here. <laughs> you got- You've got superfluous blood. An extra Your body's gallon. making too yeah. much blood. Too much, yeah. you're, not, you're not fat. <laughs> you're you, you've just got too much, right. got too much blood. <laughs> I, I'm not sure about Priscus's medical credentials, I have to say here. Uh, I'm a little uh. dubious. And the second part of this is, which would ordinarily have flowed from his nose. Yeah, it's a little known fact here, <laughs> there, Normie, but uh, until he used to walk around, right. people would go, oh my God, there's blood streaming from your nose, Attila. Are you hurt? And he'd go, no, no, I just have superfluous blood. This <laughs> is the way out. my body normally this is actually good gets for me. rid of it. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> can, I get a, can I get a bib, please? Thank you. And a bucket. Just bring me a bucket. <laughs> it makes me it's look badass. That's <laughs> how I go into battle, just blood shooting out of my nose. I stick my finger up my nose, make it bleed. All over my... Then I draw my sword. <laughs> I actually stick my finger up my nose and I can direct it at my enemies, at one nostril as I'm riding past them. That is why I am the scourge of God. That is why people are scared of me. Oh, my God. It's not because of my armies. It's because I shoot blood <laughs> out of my nose. I've learned so much. I think he was just banging this chick. He banged her to death. Is, is <laughs> she banged theory. him to death. He's, he's older. He's yeah. drunk. Yeah, yeah. He couldn't handle it. Yeah. Unfortunately, his uh, empire fell apart soon after his death. And um, oh, and Honoria, the, yeah. the the princess, the sister of the emperor. What mm-hmm. happened to her, right? Um, this is skipping ahead of my notes. Is she the one where a certain motorcycle gang comes into town, <laughs> spends two weeks partying, sacking, taking a bunch of gold from private collections, and? take her along as well? Do I have the right young lady? No. Damn. Different, different one. Damn. I mean, different. You're going way back. Okay. Yeah. That was uh, early goth invasion, I think. Okay. I think. I read that uh, when her brother found out what she'd done, he sent her into exile. He wanted to kill he wanted her. To kill- 
His mother went, no, no, that's not a good look. Um, Don't kill your sister. He married her off quickly to some nobody. She spent the rest of her life under house arrest. Oh, fuck. You can't get a break as a Roman woman. You really can't. Yeah, she even tried to marry the Hun. (laughs) Um, What do I got to do? Marry a Hun? Because I will. Yeah, Yeah. to get your attention. Dad. (laughs) Oh, no, it wasn't a dad. Um, anyway, so back to Orestes' development. Now, in the same year he went to work for Nepos, the Roman emperor, he was promoted to the rank of Magister Militum and then uh, led a military revolt against Nepos, Uh-oh. who was forced to flee into exile. That's not good. Basic story is that Orestes' development... Um, was partners with the Federati. Now, I think we've talked about the Federati maybe before, maybe mm-hmm. not. We're we going have. to talk a lot of... We have? Yeah. A Federatus, just as a reminder for people, was one of the outlying nations which Rome provided benefits to in exchange for military assistance. So you throw some troops at us when we need them, we'll give you some... Togas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably more it's than that. It's got Trump on it. You know, yeah. yeah. We'll throw you togas. You know, we, you know, we'll give you a little uh, bit of a reduction in your, your taxation or, or, or your – they're not actually citizens, but, you know, they have to pay tribute or whatever it is. Um, the term was used in the Roman Empire for barbarian mercenaries of various sizes who were allowed to settle in the Roman Empire. Mm. Um, and it's the basis for our word federation. Federation comes from the federati. Right. Basically, when you put together a whole bunch of barbarians to focus on a common goal, that's a federation. That makes sense. Hey, um, let, me, let me fill in the gap between um, the death of um, Attila and when we get to Nepos, just just high-level stuff, I just thought this was interesting. So, like you said, after Attila's gone, his kingdom falls into civil war. Everybody's fighting for power, which is convenient for the Romans, but in the West, but they have in their own issues. Um, they don't have enough troops to really take care of themselves. And the barbarians in the Western Empire take advantage of this with their internal power struggles. Uh, in 454, Flavius Atias is stabbed by Valentinian III himself. But a year later, he gets stabbed by the general's supporters. Another guy comes along, Petronius Maximus, but he doesn't last very long. The Vandals, this is, this is the princess I was thinking of. Uh, Petronius Maximus takes the throne. He was a rich senator, and he broke off the engagement between the Huneric prince of Vandals and the princess Edosia. I'm probably saying her name wrong. Eudosia, Edosia. Uh, but he was ineffectual as well. He tries to skip out of town. The mob finds him trying to leave, and they kill him. And because there's a complete breakdown in, around Rome, the Vandals enter Rome. They party for two weeks, even though there's not a lot of official money. There's a lot of money in private hands. There's a lot of money in the church, because instead of this money be going towards administration and helping with the armed forces, the churches keep it for themselves. And so the the, um, the Vandals are able to leave with a lot of money. They also leave with the 
Princess Edosia. She is forced to marry a Vandal King, and she becomes the the, the mother of a Vandal King. So, uh, so there's some Rome has got its own drama going on, and then, like you said, you come to uh, Julius Nepos, who is who has been picked um, by the Western Empire, but not exactly the stand-up guy, the, the guy that that can actually get the job done. So he's not going to be much of a solution for all the trouble that's going on in the Western Empire. Yeah, he pisses off all the Federati, <laughs> Orestes, promises them, look, you, you come with me, help me get rid of this guy, and I will give you a third of Italy Whoa. as your reward. Nice. Uh, so they, they helped him depose Nepos. Orestes doesn't become, claim the, the, the throne for himself, as you would expect. Mm-hmm. Instead, he puts his son, Romulus, on the throne, Romulus Augustus, even wow. though he's only 15 years old. I'm a man. Right. Yeah. And he th- got a theory on why he just didn't take well, the throne himself, right? The, the, there was a couple of other people in that time frame that I, that I kind of skipped over because they don't last very long. Some of them had the, had the means to become the emperor, but they did not because of their birth, the, their parents. They, they weren't qualified in that sense. So I don't know if it's a Rusty's, um, parentage or just that he wants to focus on the military but that's my only guess well i think he was a uh, aristocrat had aristocratic heritage blood in him so i don't think it was that by the way by this stage Mm -hmm. i mean every man and his dog has been a roman emperor i mean it doesn't as we'll see when we get to uh justin in the next uh a little bit later on um didn't matter what your background was right so, um, yeah, I'm not exactly sure what he was thinking there. Maybe the power behind the throne was more his gig. Sure. He thought, you know what, uh, I, don't, I don't want to have to deal with all of the bullshit that comes with being right, the, the emperor. peasantry, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I, want, I want to be the man behind the man behind the man. <laughs> I want a stable of young... No, wrong, wrong show. So... Uh, we were talking about why Orestes didn't take the throne for himself. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. when yeah. Or- or- Orestes uh, gets rid of Nepos, who'd only been on the throne for like a year anyway, um, who goes into exile, then Orestes reneges on his deal with the Federati. Oh, shit. So, you know, if history's taught me anything, <laughs> it's don't renege on deals don't, with Germans, right? Don't, um, don't be- I know this is something your wife has said to you a lot. Bad yeah. ideas to make a deal with a German and then yeah. go back on it. Very bad idea. Not good for your health. Yeah, he had so promised. The, yeah, sorry. After you. Yeah, he had promised in 476, or probably before that, Orestes, uh, to to uh, to give Odoracer, I don't know how to say his name, and Heruli's demands of federated status. He says no, or he goes back on it. So, yeah, so, I mean... They they were just trying to be part of the system, so now it's it's they have a, a cause celeb, if you want, uh to invade. And now Orestes has got a whole other problem to deal with because like you said, he went back on his word. Adoaka is how Adoaka. I'm uh, pronouncing it. I don't know if that's right, but as I told somebody the other day when they asked me about pronunciation, <laughs> I pronounce things the way I want to fucking pronounce them. <laughs> and fuck sexy. anyone who doesn't like it. I'm a doaka. Yeah. I think uh, uh, Oduisa is how it's actually pronounced uh, usually. And there's sometimes a V in it, Odovisa. 
Uh, Oda yeah. Weisser, Oda Waka, fuck yeah. it. Yeah, I know, man. Fuck <laughs> it. Who knows? Let's go with Oda Weisser. Okay. Um, so, yeah, they revolt uh, the, the Federati under Oda Weisser. They call him their king. Um, so he goes to war against Orestes and Ro- the troops of Romulus Augustulus, who, by the way, the Eastern Empire doesn't recognize them. Um, oh, that's right. Zeno, a guy called Zeno, we'll get to it a bit later. He he doesn't recognize these guys anyway, but he still thinks Nepos is probably the, the legitimate uh, right. uh, Western emperor. Anyway, Odoasa goes, uh, goes to war with Orestes. Orestes ends up fleeing to the city of Pavia, mm-hmm. where the city's bishop gave him sanctuary. Um, um, that was a good move. Well, um, yeah, for a little while, but then Odoasa. Oh, right, (laughs) Odoasa and his men break into the city, right? Ravage the church. Oh shit! Uh, Now they're Christians. Eh, Probably (laughs) Germans, Aryan Christians, but fucking, you know, yeah. Christian-y, that's right. It's a raid. Ravage, it's the wrong, they ravaged the other guys' <laughs> churches, so that's okay. Steal all the money, right. raise the city to the ground. Oh. It's nothing I like more than Christian on Christian <laughs> violence, Ray. Because it's the, it's, the, it's the religion of love, Ray. I don't know if you know that. And the religion of love and peace. I keep forgetting Even, that. See, you're saying it's okay. Yes, I'm... Burning your churches to the ground, right, and stealing all your money, but I'm doing it out of love, right? I, I love to steal and rape. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, not that. No, no, because it's for your own good, right? Uh, that I'm doing this because you're Is on it? the wrong path, and and you're making God, you're making Jesus sad. Um, so I'm going to burn probably a bit of rape, a bit of murder, <laughs> but it's all. For, I'm not doing it. I'm doing it with love in my heart, so it's okay. I'm not sure what a bit of matter is, but anyway, but the, the good news is uh, Odeacer is able to get away and he's able to go to Piacenza, but it's there that he will go no further. Orestes catches up with him, and I don't even know if they bothered with uh, discussion hey, or uh, mock hey, trial. Hey, no, wait, hey, yeah. you're, getting, you're getting your O's uh, ass about. <laughs> Am I? Yeah, it's Orestes. That uh, oh, runs away, and right. Odoasa that, that catches I'm, up I with am, him. Not I, I mixed up too my many O's. <laughs> you mix up your O's, yeah. <laughs> I drop my H's and I mix up my O's. I apologize. So o- Odoacer's army catches up with Orestes in Piacenza, and Orestes is killed on August twenty eighth, four seventy six. Yeah, Odoacer has got the mercenary Federati who've been who who got fucking betrayed. Yeah. By Orestes. Yeah. So, you know, they're nothing like betrayed Germans. Uh, <laughs> Sons and, to, oh, it's it really, yeah. Well, I was, yeah. I'm trying to figure out why the city's bishops took this guy and gave him sanctuary. There's a horde of German Christians out there, emphasis on the German, not on the Christian. And here's the bishops, they've got, they're holding up their Bibles. You will not well, because, d- defy. No, because Orestes was a Roman, so he would have been a Catholic. Right. Um, so the Catholic bishops are protecting the Catholic guy but, versus the Arians, who are the bad Christians. And that's fine. I get that. But my point is, sword, a whole bunch of them, versus Bible. Because God will protect us, Ray. <laughs> and if he doesn't, 
then it's, you know it, maybe we were getting a little yeah oh, we were getting a little we were, bit haughty yeah right. <laughs> you yeah. and I are screwed even if on we this trip uh huh we haven't done anything bad yet but if God didn't let us get raped and murdered and killed we right. would have done something bad That's so true. he's doing it for our own good better oh. to die sinless. <laughs> Being tortured, burned alive, beheaded, raped, you know, whatever. Right. Than to live and maybe one day in the future commit a sin which will but, damn our soul to hell. But the sin is not the end-all, be-all because I can ask for forgiveness if I'm not currently maybe, being tortured. Yeah, but I, I, but I would probably be so sinful that I wouldn't do that. <laughs> oh, okay. I'd be enjo- enjoying, you know, the the... <laughs> Sex with my wife, you know. Somebody's I might have wife. sex with my wife and right. enjoy it. No, my own oh, wife. Remember, oh, Augustine right. said he, even lust in marriage is bad. So I might be having sex with my wife and enjoying it too much. That's was, the problem. That's why I had to be tortured and murdered now yeah. to stop me from enjoying sex with my wife. Did, did Augustine not remember his entire first thirty years of his life banging, banging, and banging? Yes, he did, and he was very, very ashamed <laughs> of it. That's why he said, no one is ever allowed to enjoy sex ever again because I had so much of it when I was young. (laughs) I ruined it for everybody. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. That's like me saying, now that I'm old enough, I think we should bring back the draft. (laughs) It's like parents say to their kids, don't drink and do drugs and have sex outside of marriage. I did it when I was your age, but uh, you shouldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, stories I could tell you. The penile scars <laughs> to prove it. Um, yeah, that's why I tell my kids, my boys that are 17, I'm like, listen, when I was your age, I was fucking and drinking and trying drugs. You're going to do the same, and I expect you to. Go do it. Live life. Yeah. Keep me, keep me in the loop, particularly if, you know. Anything bad happens, I'm here for you. Yeah. Don't don't yeah. don't well, hide. Don't run around like right. I had to. Right. Just uh, go and do what you got to do. Yeah. Sow your wild oats. Just yeah. try and try and be careful. Try not to be an idiot. That's all we ask. Um, I was an idiot. <laughs> try not to be as big an idiot. <laughs> try as not I to was. be. Try not to outdo me. That's all I'm asking. Yeah. 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 Anywho, <laughs> I don't know how we got onto that. Um. <laughs> So, uh, yes, Odoacer destroys Orestes' army. Orestes gets captured, swiftly executed. Ravenna's captured. Romulus Augustus, the son, uh, yeah. the 15-year-old, is deposed Aww. on the 4th of September, 476. And this is where you tell me that the uh, Odoacer tortures him for hours and hours and hours and then has him killed. No, despite the fact that he was a Christian, uh, he was a good guy. Now, he apparently, I mean, some of the sources say he was he so admired Romulus Augustus's beauty oh, oh and God. youth yeah. that he let him go. What happened to him is a bit of a mystery. He seems to have been sent to live with relatives in Campania, somewhere in Naples. Uh-huh. We don't really know. But so that usually is considered to be the end. Mm-hmm of the Western Roman Empire, 476. 
uh, Nepos, though, is still alive in exile, so some people say, well, no, it didn't really end right. for a few more years until Nepos died. Um, he was technically still the emperor, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Romulus Augustulus. So yeah. How he, can you um, that's it. The, the story that started with our old mate Octavianus... Um, 500 years earlier, give or take. Right. He was born in, what, 63 BCE, Battle of Actium, 30 BCE, um, becomes princeps, dies in 14, his son Tiberius. Spoiler alert, but we're going to do it on our news, the next season of our Julio-Claudian series when we get back from Rome. Yeah, the Tebow um, we'll series. Tiberius. Yeah. Tebow, yeah. yeah. Um, it's all gone. It's done. It's yeah. over. There will not be another Roman emperor it, on the western side of right. the empire anyway. And there's just one more thing. Uh, Odiacer returns the imperial insignia to Constantinople, as in, I will be needing this. Thank you very much. Um, have a good day. Yeah, which is interesting. Now, again, like Orestes' development, Odoacer doesn't make himself emperor. Yeah. He goes, no, you know what? Don't want it. Too Seen the job. Don't like yeah, it. Yeah. Life, you know, your uh, <laughs> chances of surviving are very high, not, I've learned. good. Exactly. Uh, uh, he, so he sends it all to Zeno in Constantinople. Um, well, the Roman Senate, on behalf of Adasa, sends it, actually, right. and formally asks Zeno to reunite the two halves of the empire again. Constant, what, Theodosius broketh apart? Right. <laughs> we ask you, Zeno, mm-hmm. to stitch it back together. The West no longer requires an emperor of its own. One monarch suffices for the world. Wow. And I can edit this out, but I've got just a little bit more about Zeno, Edessa, uh, and Theodoric. Or did you want to go? Or did you want to stop the story here? No, we're going on. Okay, all right. No, I, I mean, yeah, this episode versus okay. So um, the Roman Senate asks Zeno to make Edessa a patrician and administrator of Italy in Zeno's name. Zeno says, "Well, look." Technically, you should have mm-hmm. asked that Julius Nepos takes the throne <laughs> once more. And they were right. like, yeah, we, we never really liked that guy. He goes, all right, right. all right. Well, in that, in that circumstance, um, okay. Odoacer now rules Italy in my name. Right. Now, now Odoacer did pay homage to Julius Nepos, but like you said, he never gave back any land. He never acknowledged him. He... Uh, didn't give back any territory. So, yeah, he's, he's making it clear, look, this is my I, – I, I can use whatever title you want to give me, but this is mine now. Well, kind of. He starts off slowly, I think, saying, look, I just want to run it for you. Uh-huh. Zeno, uh, mm-hmm. I just let me be – I just manage it. I'm just the manager. I'm, I'm the assistant to <laughs> I'm the, the manager. I'm the daytime manager. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but it, it doesn't stay like that. So Jordanes, um, who wrote a history of the Goths around 551, says, 
Thus, the Western Empire of the Roman race, which Octavianus Augustus, the first of the Augustii, began to govern in the 709th year from the founding of the city, perished with this Augustulus in the 522nd year from the beginning of the rule of his predecessors and those before them, and from this time onward, kings of the Goths held Rome and Italy. Wow. So for the first time in 506 years, since Actium, Mm -hmm. there isn't an emperor on the throne of the Western Empire. Although we know Augustus was the princeps and not an emperor, but technically speaking, but yes, but you know. He was there. Yeah, he was basically the emperor. Now, Odoacer was a king in all but name. Now, following Nepos's eventual murder in 480, Zeno legally abolished the co-emperorship and ruled as sole emperor. Mm. So a lot of historians, not a lot, some historians say, well, the, the Western Empire never ended. It just got consolidated again into one empire. It's just that's right. the way it happened. But then it goes on from there. So it, 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 the story doesn't. If the story ended here, maybe that would be a, 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 the, the, I don't know, a, a one way to look at it. But it didn't, didn't stop here. The story didn't stop. Now, Odoacer, the problem here is Odoacer is an Aryan Christian, obviously, mm-hmm. German, as I said before. Right. And his relations with the, the Catholics or the Chalcedonian Church as they're known then and still today in some circles. There was this thing called the Council of Chalcedon um, where they, again, fucking were still debating about the nature of Jesus. (laughs) How much human, how much divine, blah 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 What should we, you know, how does it all work? We don't know. 500 years Jesus has been dead, (laughs) if he ever existed at all. And they're still trying to fucking work it out and fighting about it. Um, how much of this he had, how much of that, how you get it all together in one meat sack. Um, <laughs> now, but they should have, they should have gotten Barry and Stan. We need a message that's clear. If if Christianity is so convoluted that five hundred years go by and you still can't agree if God is greater than Jesus or are they just part of the same thing? I mean, this is something that we're joking about, but they were serious and they were fighting and people were dying and these two sides are trying to obtain power to wipe out the other ones. Obviously, it's not happened yet, but this is a very serious thing. I mean, that's just bad. That's bad marketing when you can't have a simple direct message that you can just beat people over the head with. The Nazis did it very well. I don't know why the Christians can't get their act together. By the way, most... Christians today in the 21st century are Chalcedonians. They would agree right. with the Chalcedonian formula. But I guarantee you most of them probably have no idea how yes. long it took their forefathers to fight about it. I think I mentioned to you, I was having a conversation with my brother-in-law, who's a Christian, um, a couple of months ago, and he said something about, well, because Jesus is God. I said, yeah, but do you realize how long Christianity fought over that question? That wasn't. The, the the viewpoint of at least half of the Christian world for five, six, seven hundred years, um, they've disagreed with that. Um, so there you go. I would argue that some Christians don't even know that there was a debate about the 
discrepancy or, 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 you know, were they all three of one versus one is greater than the, I, I think, I would think that many Christians, uh, wouldn't even know that, it, that it was a struggle. Yeah. Uh, unless you told them. Yeah. I don't think it gets talked about a lot unless you go, you right. go and you study your Christian history. Um, now, Odoacer ruled Italy for 13 years, and as his power increased, Zeno, who, by the way, his original name was Tarasis Codisa Rusombladadatiotis. Zeno's better. Yeah, well, Barry and Stan obviously came in at some point and was like, listen, TK. Four letters max. TK, we, we, can't, we can't have an emperor Rusombladatiotis. We can't even fucking say it, let alone spell it. How are we going to write that down? <clears throat> You need a you need a name like Madonna, like Prince, <laughs> but four, share. but let's yeah share four letters is good share. <laughs> let's just go with four letters, and they came up with Zeno. <laughs> By the way, Od- Odoacer uh, then started just calling himself Odie at the time. So Odie, Odie yeah. yeah. So Zeno started to get a little bit jealous about how much power Odie had, and um, right. they, they they he started to try and pull Odie in, pull him back a little bit. Odie was like, you know what? I've decided uh, eh, I don't need to listen to you. Shut up. This is really yeah. mine now, after all. So Zeno does a deal with Theoderic and the mm-hmm. Ostrogoths. Um, Ostrogoths were they the Western or the Eastern? I, can't, I think they're the the Austro. Western. Austro was East. Fuck, East, Easter, Ostro, yeah. you're right, yeah. yes. Yeah. E- that's how yeah. I usually remember it, Easter, Ostro. The Eastern gods. So he goes, all right, listen, Theo, dude, you uh, go kick Four this letter. motherfucker out and I will right. give you big chunk of Italy, the peninsula. You can have, wow. you can have half of Italy if you get rid of Odie. And this is in 488. He taps the goth leader. And these two guys, you know, like you said, I don't know if you how much you want a detail you want to go to, but they go at each other, and there's several pretty fierce battles. Yeah. So, whoops. So, <laughs> Theo, uh, he'd grown up as a hostage in Constantinople. So they, mm-hmm. they, they got a bit of a bond him and Zeno. Oh. Zeno goes, listen, I don't trust the Goths, quite frankly, but this is a Goth you could trust. He grew up here. I've known him all his life. And like, okay, he's a German. I get it, but uh, he's one of the rare good Germans you can trust. Yeah, he's my German. Yeah. So Theoderic, as you say, um, takes his army to Italy in 488, wins some battles, 489, 490. Battle goes on for three years. And in 493, he lays siege to Ravenna, where um, Odoacer is uh, based. But he doesn't have a fleet, and Ravenna is on. Remember, that one of the reasons they went to Ravenna in the first place is it's on the coast. Mm-hmm. You can you can yeah. get resupplied. You can get out uh, if if there's if you're under siege. Um, so he doesn't have a fleet, Theoderic. So the the city's be, city's being resupplied by the sea. Going on a long time. Um, it's not until 492 mm-hmm. that Theoderic was able to get a fleet and he's able to start to capture Ravenna's harbours. Um, but basically, they, they sit down uh, to have a negotiation, him and Odoasa. It's organised by the city's bishop. The city bishop, city's bishop, Ravenna's bishop, says, listen, I'm going to organise a sit-down um, right. in his territory. Do you know uh, what the bishop's name was? No, tell me. 
Tessio, and I've got a recording of the event. Bazzini wants to arrange a meeting. He says we can straighten any of our problems out. You talk to him? Yeah. I can arrange security. On my territory. All right. Right. All right. You know how they're going to come at you? They're arranging a meeting in Brooklyn. Tessio's ground. Where I'll be safe. Yeah, that's what Adolphus oh, said. The meeting in... They're going to mess Organizing a meeting in my bishop's church where I'll be safe. <laughs> now, I had read that they agreed to have a banquet, or am I getting ahead of the story? No, so they, they got together for February 2nd, 493, Theoderic and Adosa. They signed a treaty. Treaty said that both parties would have equal rule over Italy. Fuck Zeno. Right. We're going to just do it ourselves. You and uh, me, look, buddy. We're both goths. I'm a goth, you're yeah. a goth. Wouldn't you like to be a goth too? We're going to goth it up. We're going to goth the fuck out of Italy. The Germans Listen, have invaded yeah. Italy. We've taken over. We're, we, we've got more in common than with that Zeno motherfucker. Can't even pronounce his original name. Ramo Sangalanga-Ding-Dong or something. We, we don't know. Let's... Ram it up the asses. But... Here's, here's the thing. The fact that they're having a banquet, I think you and I have been doing this show long <laughs> enough to know that banquets never end. Never no. end. Never, <laughs> ever go to a banquet. Ever. Under any circumstances. I've sworn off banquets. When we're in, when we're in Rome and you uh-huh. say, all right, let's go out for dinner, everybody, I'm going to be like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Not going out to dinner with anyone. Because I know what happens. Fuck you. At banquets. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. If it's, so I think that's the difference between saying, let's have a dinner and let's have a banquet. As soon as you call it a banquet, banquet is actually French for someone's going to (laughs) die. Let's have a banquet, Cam's honor. Fuck you. I'm not going. Yeah. 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 Banquet, when you look it up, it's uh, French originally. (laughs) Uh, right. for, um, you know, someone, someone's going to die. <laughs> Head removal. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Bench, French diminutive of banque, which is uh, French for bench, means somebody's going right. to be dead on the bench before the <laughs> night's over. Anyway, uh, yeah, so they have this banquet to celebrate the treaty, and it's at the banquet that Theoderic makes a toast to Odoka, Oduasa. Oh. Sorry, what's your name? You're the best. You've, I love you so much. Oh, look ogre. at my, look at my sword. Oh, I just cut your head off with it. Oops, whoops. <laughs> I didn't mean that. There was an accident. Oh well. Damn, this thing's tricky. Now I had read that Theodoric's men killed Odoracer, but Theodoric himself cut him in half, or, or like you said, removed his head. Uh, I read that he drew his sword and struck him on the collarbone. Oh, God. That's how you know a banquet's over. Now, Theoderic then settles his 250,000 Ostrogoths in Italy and founds the Ostrogothic kingdom based in Ravenna. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's just recap. Adoasa <laughs> kicks out. Orestes development. Mm-hmm. Um, 
does a deal with Zeno, says, hey, I want to govern this for you. Zeno goes, okay. Zeno gets unhappy with that, brings in another German, says, go get rid of that guy. Goes, all right. And then he goes, I got rid of him, but I'm keeping it now. Uh, And it's mine. Fuck you. It's now a kingdom. It's not, I'm not an administrator. I'm a king of a kingdom and my kingdom is Italy. Deal. <laughs> he didn't ask permission. <laughs> he just said. That's how that's you don't ask permission to be a king, Ray. You right. just take no, it. No, no, I'm saying deal with it. Oh, deal but, with yes, deal with it. Yeah, yeah. Now deal of course yeah. he's a German, he's a goth, so he's an Aryan. Mm-hmm. Most of the uh Ravenese, the Roman population, are Catholics, Chalcedonians. Right. But he uh he says, listen. That's okay. I don't care. I yeah. love you. I love you all. Um, he does promote segregation between the right. Aryans and the Chalcedonians. Um, but listen, there, but there's a certain amount of tolerance. Equal by but different. The Goths. Equal but different, and a little bit better. He said, "I want <laughs> us to all get along." You know what? It's a little bit like. Imagine right. we Aryans are white and you're black. Well, let's just call it, you're not black, you're ebony, and we're ivory. We need to survive unless we cut your heads off at a banquet. (laughs) Not so much alive. Um, Ebony and ivory was the policy of Theoderic for the Aurians and the Catholics. Yes. Just don't fuck each other, he said. (laughs) That's all I ask. Yeah. Don't live together. Don't fuck each other. No intermarriage. Apart from that, just we'll all get along. It's fine. Just don't mix the bloodlines. <laughs> well, I, I think that the point is that the Goths are... Germans be- have always had a problem with the bloodlines, Ray. <laughs> no. I don't know if you've picked no. up on this, but I, I, Germans do not like mixing bloodlines. No. You vegan? Are Yeah, no, I, no, I can't do that. But, uh, yeah. But, but, the, but the Goths are being more tolerant than what the Nicaeans or whatever I should be calling them, the Chalcedonians uh, Christians are. Now, this is not, as you can imagine, this is not going to last very long because Theodoric is uh, is human. He can only last so long. And when he's gone, the tolerance breaks down. Yes. Well, he calls himself mm-hmm. Gothorum Romarumki Rex. <laughs> God. With lots of R's in there just for the fun of it. Gothorum Romarumki Rex. The first king 
Is there is Italy there a shorter has name? seen in a long time? Yeah, sorry. Just king, <laughs> just king of the Goths and the Romans. I'm the king of it all. He did keep most of the social institutions, though, of the late Western Roman Empire. He kept the Senate, kept the consuls. Mm. Yeah, we could have a Senate and a king. No big yeah. deal. You had an emperor and a Senate and the consuls. It's all good. But yeah, he eventually died in 526, and by the time he did. His relationship with the Eastern Empire was on shaky ground, as it would have been, you would imagine, anyway, because he kind of, uh, you know, did the dirty a little bit on Zeno, yeah. Um, Now, partly there's wars going on in Gaul between the Franks Mm -hmm. under their king Clovis I, who was a Catholic, and the Visigothic king Alaric II, who was a Goth and an Arian who had aligned himself with Theodoric. So you've got these Catholic Arian wars going on in Gaul. Right. Now, Clovis was the first king of the Franks who united all of the Frankish tribes under one ruler. They had a whole bunch of chieftains, royal chieftains. He pulled them all together, said, nah, I'm the king of all the kings now, (laughs) king of kings, just me. And my kingship is going to be passed down to my heirs. If 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 Theodoric, a German, can do it, I can do it. Oh, it's a meme. It started to take off. Oh, you can just you can just declare yourself king. Of no everything? one told me that. Fuck yeah. yeah! It's a bit like we saw in the Alexander series after um, Alexander was dead and his successors. Ptolemy and uh, and 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 Seleucus and mm-hmm. uh, Antipater. Oh, no, after Antipater, Antigonus, Gonad, mm-hmm. Antigonus. Right. Uh, all these guys just started declaring themselves kings. They're like, "Oh, he can do it. Well, if he can do it, I can do it. He's got nothing I don't have. We're all kings did. now." That's right. Change my business card. <clears throat> and of course, the name of the country, France, um, came from the the Franks. At this, uh, at some point after this, now Clovis, uh, the king of the Franks, is considered to have been the founder of the Merovingian dynasty, mm-hmm. which ruled the Frankish kingdom for the next two hundred years. And of course, anyone who has read the Holy Blood and the Holy Grail will know that the Merovingians were descendants of Jesus. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, the wow. bloodline, man turned into the Merovingians. Well, that proves that Jesus existed. Yes, and that he still exists in the bloodline today. Mm. That's their theory. Okay. And then Zeno passed on and Justin I became the Eastern Roman Emperor and then things got really (laughs) nasty. Before we leave our Clovis behind... I had read that he converted to Catholicism in 496, not because he saw God in the sky or anything like that, but because his wife asked him to. Did did you do any? Did you read up on any of that? I'm just curious. No, I didn't. But that sounds like a good enough story. <laughs> Why not? Just okay, honey. If it makes you happy. I mean, there was probably political considerations that maybe helped him fortify his kingdom. But yeah, so not a. 
but even even though it, it doesn't seem to come from within that he's that he's truly into this stuff, obviously it's going to affect his kingdom, and a lot of the other people within his kingdom are going to convert uh, as well. So again, it is a big deal that the king converts to Catholicism. They do it as well. It doesn't matter that the king is sincere or not; they're following his example. So for France, uh, you know, that's a big deal. That's a big deal as far as their religious history. Mm. And that is where we're going to leave episode 20. Now, when we do episode 21 next week, it will be the last of our pre-Renaissance mm-hmm. our warm-up. background. Right. Yeah, 21 hours of background warm-up. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's how we roll. That's how we do. I think we did about 22 episodes on Philip. Right. So, so this is right. Alexander shows. Par for the so course. So that's about right. Yeah. It feels about right. Yeah. 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 All right. We'll be back next time.